Welcome. You know how I love the Wilhelm I scream? I do know that. It... There's a creepy kid. That's always a plus. Teenage girl outsiders. We've got nobody but each other. But one of us is super hot and is probably going to make out with somebody. And the other one's going to get mad about it. Uh, is there a button for subtitles? Can I <laughs> turn those on? I want to be a cowboy. And you can be my cowgirl. I want to be a cowboy. And you can be my cowgirl. I want to be a cowboy. want to be a cowboy. Cowboys and cowgirls. That's what it's about this week. We're back doing Fright Club Live <laughs> at the Gateway Film Center in Columbus, Ohio. Everybody ready to get their bone on tonight. I love this I love this category, I love this movie because it gave me plenty of reasons to get in all the euphemisms and double entendres I could think of. <laughs> and I thought of a few. You did. But it's We're very good, proud. Thank you. Thank you. That's why I'm here. Come on in. Welcome. Uh, yeah, great crowd tonight. Great movie and a fun topic. One that uh, you've been working on for a while. We're talking about westerns. Our favorite horror westerns. Yes. But before we get to that, you got some business. Yes. So last time we did divine missions in horror, which was super fun. And our friend Kaya had a couple of comments about last time and about this time. She wanted to know, and rightly so, why the witch wasn't on the divine. Yeah. Yeah. Because that's a favorite. It is a favorite. It Yeah, it is. It's a favorite. It wasn't, I guess, the protagonist, I suppose. I don't know. I mean, uh, I could argue one way or the other, but it's a great movie and it's a good comment. And she had two recommendations for this list. Oh, the Tremors. Tremors, okay. And Ravenous. Okay. One of those is going to make it. One so of those be, is yeah, going to make it. The other one. Shot. No, one of them is going to make it. <laughs> but also we want to thank Phantom Dark Dave, our friend Phantom Dark Dave, who is on a Blue Million podcast. Mm-hmm. And he and Andy had us on uh, the Black Cat's Shadow podcast. And if you don't listen to that in your horror fan, you really should. One of the things that's super cool about it is that they, they get guests the, that, they, that they interview, you know, horror genre people. And recently they interviewed Kevin Connor. Who directed Motel Hell? And I listened, and at the end, Kevin Connor said, Hey, Hope Madden, I hear you're a fan of my movie. And I was like, Bah! So thank you, Dave, for making that happen. That and was I, really, I would really like awesome. to thank him for also leaving me a message, but he didn't. <laughs> So, you know. But we're going to be on Black Hat Shadow Podcast talking about Night, Night Gallery. Gallery. Yeah. Which is definitely your wheelhouse and not mine. One of my favorites. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Thank you. We got to talk about some of our favorite uh, Night Gallery episodes, so we'll look forward to that. We'll keep you posted. And by the way, I don't think I mentioned, I'm George Wolf. I'm Hope Madden. And we are from madwolf.com. Welcome. We just get so excited, and especially after a couple of beers, you know, things get rolling. <laughs> we forget about things to say, but yeah, we're, we're excited to back, be back here as we are once a month doing Fright Club Live. And is that all the housekeeping? That what is, else? I think. That is? Yeah. Okay, all the housekeeping. So, yeah, well, we're talking about westerns and horror. What is the What are the ground rules other than a lot of facial hair? Right. That's just a given. So, it's funny. Um, for me to be able to... So, we'll be at Subway eating our subs. And I'll think to myself of any topic randomly. And as long as I can come up with five good movies, okay, that's in. That's a, that's a potential topic. Western was harder for me. I had four that I really liked. I had a fifth that I figured probably would make it. But then I had to do some research and watch some other movies. Some of them 
are so bad. They're so bad. <laughs> um, and so there were a few that I thought would make it as sort of uh, sort of broadly thematically appropriate, like Peckinpah Straw Dogs. Yeah. Tremors. I thought that might be in there. Mm-hmm. Um, I could see that. Straw they dogs. have eyes. That, but then I found out they're a whole bunch of. I mean, what, here's what I wanted, George. I wanted horses and cowboy hats and shit. So want to be a cowboy? Yeah, and there are like a million of them, and most of them are just again fucking terrible. <laughs> but I watched them all and resorted the list, and we came up with our five favorites. And ours, that's completely inaccurate. I came up with my five favorites. He didn't help with this one at all. He did like, do sometimes. Sometimes. You do. In quotes. In air quotes. Sometimes. <laughs> you know what, though? Before we start counting down, we've got to give a shout out as we were walking in here to the theater. They've got a brand new gallery here. At, my or, favorite one yet. Here at it's Gateway my favorite Film one yet. And, and I love the gallery that they do here. It's really, really cool. Yeah. If, if you're not familiar, they, they set up in the hallway these different... Artists get a chance to show their work, and it's, and it's movie and it's related. Movie related. It's where you know a lot of theaters would have like movie posters hanging. They have the original artworks, and 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 they're all they've all been really really cool. But this is my favorite, and I I fully intend to redecorate our house. <laughs> yeah, this one is called "Villains Never Die," and the artist is Grant Gilsdorf, and it highlights, as you might guess from the title, all great movie villains, and it's fantastic. Yeah. Just walking out there, everybody that was walking through it is just stopping and just That's really right. transfixed by the whole thing. So, yeah. want to give a shout out to that. They always do a great job job getting the gallery here at Gateway, but this month especially. So just another reason to come and check it out. All right, so we got Westerns. We ready? We do. Ready to start counting them down? Because we, we gotta, we gotta, we're on a time limit every we time are. we do the Fright Club Live so because we gotta, we're going to show one of these So this one, on the number screen. five, number five, it bumped, just so that you know it, we're not going to talk about this one because you're probably thinking, Grim Prairie Tales is bound to come up. The four of you have seen that movie. It's not going to come up because I had forgotten about this one and I watched it, but I don't think I ever saw it all the way through back when it first came out. So I rewatched it and it actually reminds me a lot of Bone Tomahawk, but in a very different way. All right. We'll start at number five. In the Wild West, a rescue party sets out to find a family of settlers that has vanished from their home under mysterious circumstances from 2008, The Burrowers. Who takes men and horses and leaves the valuables to rot? Woke up. He says another tribe, miners. He didn't say miners. He used the word for an animal's day, burrow maybe. You hear that? They're all around us. Those weren't Indians. So this was a movie that came out in 2008, and actually uh, the writer J.T. Petty wrote the first draft of the script in 2002, and it was originally called 10,000 Little Indians, and then years later became The Burrowers. Which is a much creepier name. It is, yeah. yeah it's super creepy. <laughs> yeah. um, and, it, and it does have a lot in common with, with Bone Tomahawk, right? There's, you're in the Wild West, a woman, I mean, a guy's sweetheart goes missing, everybody blames the Indians, and the posse gets together, and they go out and, and try to retrieve the, the missing family. But it goes in different directions, and it's not nearly as well told as Bone Tomahawk, but it's a super creepy film, and it's kind of unsettling in the ways that it picks at sort of, you know, uh, the racist scabs of Western movies. Like, it really sort of draws your attention to, you know what, the cavalry probably wasn't that great. They weren't that great of guys. And, you know, I super bet they smelled terrible. <laughs> I, I just, you watch this movie and think, God, everybody smells awful, don't they? And it's also, there's, there's a great cast, particularly for like a Western in this movie, Clancy Brown, yeah. who's always great. Yeah. And then also... 
Tom Cruise's cousin. What is his name? William Mapather. There you go. Yeah. William Mapather. Just these sort of veteran character actors that you're used to. So in the burrowers, what winds up happening is they're on this trek to find Indians, and then along the way they get these clues that they're not really sort of following the path that they should follow. And at the same time, it introduces you to these characters and gives you a sense of sort of how wildly wrong a lot of the themes of the traditional Western might be, whether it's just sexist or obviously phenomenally racist and they do it in really I think very creepy ways Uh, so there's a social commentary here that is not even barely beneath the surface and that that wouldn't really work I think if it weren't for the fact that it's a it's it's a pretty gross movie right there's a lot of carnage there's uh, there's some cannibalism there's some nasty monsters there's like this toxic goo so that part is effective yeah and it is reminiscent like you said of of bone tomahawk there's there's creatures and mm-hmm. the creatures in this movie, their their look. It took about three years of concept sketches to to arrive at their final look. Because it's it's primarily practical effects. Yeah. Again, so not yeah. as great as something like The Descent, but along that line. Yeah. You know, it's like you're looking at monsters. You're looking at people. Actors playing monsters, and also you can find the Wilhelm scream. You know how I love the Wilhelm I scream. I do know that is in this movie. It's during the, the final, the ambush in the woods. There's an Indian <laughs> screams after getting shot. So that classic <laughs> Wilhelm scream pops up in the burrowers, and that is number five in our list of Western horror. Moving up to number four. This one is set in 19th century Canada. Bridget. And her sister Ginger take refuge in a trader's fort, which later becomes under siege by some savage werewolves. Ginger snaps back the beginning from 2004. In the lonely wilderness you see them? You see them? of an era gone by, stand on the brink of darkness. Two sisters bound by fate. Something bit me. Don't leave me. And driven by fear. Beware its bite. Ah! Face the horror of their own destiny. Stand away from the girl. She's turning. In the jaws of the world's most feared creatures of the night. Together forever. Ginger snaps back the beginning. We've talked about the original Ginger Snaps a bunch of times Way, yeah, on the tons podcast. Of times. Probably too and, uh, often. This is the only time, and we, we, what we've mentioned, though, several times, that the sequels are not bad. Yeah, no, it's true. And, but this is the first time one of the sequels has made, made the podcast. That is true. And Ginger Snaps Back is like the revenant with werewolves. So there you go. <laughs> Right? Um, yeah. It's, I'm uh, in. Right, exactly. So <laughs> they're fur traders and they're in this fort and they haven't been out of the fort because it, they've been attacked by werewolves and then they can't understand when these two teenage girls just kind of show up and, and nobody's going to bother them. Like, how do they make it through the forest without being attacked? Well, because of the Ginger Snap sisters, duh. <laughs> um, and so, you know, the whole movie, it, it really plays on a lot of the same. Teenage girl outsiders, we've got nobody but each other, but one of us is super hot and is probably going to make out with somebody and the other one's going to get mad about it. That whole same kind of thing, you know, that happened in the first one, except with more sort of dire consequences. And again, you just get the feeling everybody smells terrible. That's really a theme I picked up from all of these movies. Like, I bet they don't bathe a lot. And But anyway, they look great. And the, the, the editing... Sort of the like, you know, attack editing is a little hokey, but I actually feel like the prosthetics for the monsters look better in this one than they did in the original. Yeah, agreed. And this was this was actually shot. This one and Ginger Snaps 2 were shot back to back. And 
really as it, when you get to the third installment of a of a horror franchise a lot of times you know you're scraping the bottom but yeah like like we've mentioned these both of these sequels hold up decently well they really do and snaps. i think part of it is because so with the third one often they go to the origin story but this time they didn't just I mean, we kind of had the origin story with the first one, so yeah. they just took us back. I mean, it was a cool idea. You go back 200 years, and there's a lot of carnage. There's a creepy kid. That's always a plus. You know, there's a reverend who just takes it in the gut. So Ginger snaps back number four in our list of Western horror. Moving up to number three, this is a group of Confederate soldiers holed up in an abandoned plantation after robbing a bank, and they find themselves at the mercy of supernatural forces. Back to 2004 for Dead Birds. In this place. Look at this. Any of this mean anything to you? You are not alone. You are not leaving. We need to get out of here. We're not leaving here without going. You need to tell me if there's someone else in this house. This is a, a spooky movie. It's like a ghost story. So it's like a Civil War era ghost story. And they start you off by sort of getting you to become really sympathetic for this ragtag group of Confederate deserters and a crazy great cast, including Michael Shannon, who's always awesome and was recently singing Iggy Pop songs instead of going to the Golden Globes because that is how cool he is. <laughs> and it's led by Henry Thomas Elliott. From E.T. Yeah. And his brother, played by Patrick Fugit, right, from Almost, Almost Famous. Almost Famous, yeah. It's a whole group, and they rob a bank, and then they uh, hide out in this secluded plantation that is cursed in a way that, if you watch it in today, makes you think of, like, American Horror Story, right? Crazy-ass shit is going to happen, and it's going to have to do with, like, nasty things that happen to slaves, and it's going to do with voodoo, and it's going to do with, like, human sacrifice, and... A scarecrow. I love a good scarecrow. <laughs> like, scarecrows are super creepy. It's a slow pace, and I kind of give it credit for that because, you know, spectral horror works better if it's not just completely in your face, right? I mean, it's, it's a different kind of a monster movie. And again, I think the main thing that makes this work is because the cast is just much too talented to be in this movie. They, yeah, so, they're they uh, great. Yeah. You know, so even dialogue that probably would fall flat from somebody else works partly because they know how to deliver it, partly because they all seem genuinely interested in each other. There's a great chemistry among mm-hmm. them. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is, and, and the, the effects are not good in this one. They're sort of Marilyn Manson video bad. But if you can get past that, it's a spooky story. It's it's effective. You know, it's it's a nice haunting with a great cast. And actually, the scenes in the town where they used the same the old sets from the Tim Burton movie Big Fish. Oh my! Uh, years before, so they put those put those to good use. But I think you're right. The cast really elevates some of the some of the material because yeah, when you just if, before you even see the movie, you just run down the list of the cast. You're like, wow, yeah, this is pretty darn solid. Uh, so Dead Birds from 2004, number three on our list. And uh, the, well, one thing we didn't mention, or did you mention, that this was written by Simon Barrett and Adam Wingard, who did You're Next and Blair Witch and all that, but you didn't mention. 
mentioned, well, we just found out that they were going to remake I Saw the Devil. Right. I'm not sure how I feel about that. No, I do. I know that I don't feel very happy about it. So Simon Barrett and Adam Wingard, their next thing on IMDb is that they're going to remake I Saw the Devil, which we showed here, the original, which is next to being a masterpiece. Yeah. And um, We were just talking about that a little bit in the bar at Happy yeah. Hour for those who weren't there yet. We were just kind of debating whether that's something we're on board with or not. Right. You know, you never know. You hate to just totally write it off because, you know, anybody, they, they were able to remake um, Let the Right One In and do it very well. Yeah. So it can be done. Done. Yeah, but at first blush, you're like, and we're oh. actually we're very excited about the remake of Suspiria. Like we can't wait to yeah. see the remake of Suspiria. Yeah, so so just you know, side note, yeah, they're remaking side note. I saw the devil. Right. So chew on that a little bit. So that is a uh, number three, Dead Birds. Moving up to number two, this one I think we talked about a little bit already, saying that uh, one that somebody mentioned was going to be on on one the of Kaya's list. favorites. That's right, favorites. and we're moving up to it. It's at number two in a remote military outpost in the 19th century. Captain John Boyd and his regiment. Embark on a rescue mission which takes a dark turn when they're ambushed by a sadistic cannibal. It's ravenous. We have four missing soldiers, Captain, and no bodies. We need a supportable explanation. It's an old Indian myth from the north. Man eats the flesh of another. He absorbs the other man's strength. Now, one man must choose. We need others. Between having dinner and being dinner. He was licking me! (laughs) Ravenous. Bon appetit. So this is like The Revenant with cannibals. I'm just going to keep saying that. (laughs) Everything is like The Revenant. (laughs) I'm just going to keep saying that. So I think that this movie is so weirdly funny, like so darkly hilarious and and so covertly gay that I love it. I love every minute of it. You know, um, Guy Pierce, he's, you know, Mr. Sort of Handsome, Upstanding Citizen Guy, and he plays this coward who he only survived, you know, his the recent battle. And I think it's the Spanish-American War. Uh, basically because of cowardice. But he still, he got promoted, but he got promoted to this horrible outpost with potheads and, you know, cross-dressers and drug dealers and, like, everybody that the army doesn't want to deal with anymore, they stick him in this in this outpost, which is no doubt why this movie is so fun. And Robert Carlyle shows up out of nowhere... That's another reason that it reminds you of The Revenant, because a lot of people complain in The Revenant how you couldn't understand what Tom Hardy says. <laughs> and Robert Carlyle, pretty much any movie he's in, you're like, uh, is there a button for subtitles? Can I turn those on? So it's kind of the same deal here. But yeah, he just turns up out of nowhere, like you said. And, and, and he tells a story of how his, his family, and they were stranded, and, and the leader of their, of their group was a cannibal, and he was the only one who survived. And so the people in the fort decide that they have to go see if anybody else survived and, and bring them home. And Robert Carlyle is magnificent in this movie, and he's such a great counterpart to Guy Pierce because yeah. he's, just, he's just so vibrant and nasty and that's really where all of the sexual tension in this movie are between Guy Pierce and Robert Carlyle and you spend the whole time going just kiss him like just <laughs> just kiss him um, but it's it's really fun it's really really funny and one of the things that I think is, is particularly interesting about it is that there aren't that many horror films that are full blown westerns and yet David Arquette manages to be in two that's right and this is one that has over the years it's taken on a little bit of a cult-like status, don't you think? I do think so. Yeah. I do think so. And one of the things that I, I, I like to point out about this movie is that it was directed by a woman, Antonia Bird, And she didn't do a lot else. She did a lot of TV, uh, which is unfortunate because I think that in this movie, she shows, uh, she shows a great 
talent, not just for the darkest imaginable humor, but but for pacing and for tonal shifts. Well, it's interesting because she was not the original director. Mm. They had they started uh, into production with uh, Milko Manchevsky, and then they give him the boot and it was Robert Carlyle who had worked with her on on a few other films suggested her to step in and did so and did a fine job yeah she was great I mean the the movie just has such a such an unusual a unique style about it that I mean you go into it thinking this is going to be grim and unpleasant and it turns out just to be sort of a hoot the entire time a hoot. a hoot. That would not really be a word that I would thought to describe ravenous, but it's a hoot. Hope Madden. That should be on the poster. <laughs> Get people into the theater. So that's number two from 1999 Ravenous, our list of best horror westerns and we got to get out of here because we're going to see a movie here uh, just a little bit uh, but we got to get to number one and you know what it is four men set out in the wild west to rescue a group of captives from cannibalistic cave dwellers bone in the usa it is bone tomahawk from 2015 here's a uh, situation serious mrs o'dwyer was abducted how many of them do you think there are it won't matter. You have no chance against any number of them. We're making a five-day journey in three days, riding along and sleeping the bare minimum. Listen to me. I want you to know that all these savages are going to be massacred. Okay, we've slipped away into an empty theater, as we always do. Talk a little bit more about tonight's movie, because we don't want to spoil anything. And there's a few people tonight that haven't seen it. Yes, and you know what? You want to say really quickly? Ashley, our dear friend Celinda's daughter-in-law, is a huge, huge, huge Kurt Russell fan. And I know that she would love this movie. I know that she listens to the podcast as well. So I just want to say, hey, this is for you. I wish you could have come. Uh, Yes, exactly. And one of the things that really sticks out about this movie that I just love is the dialogue. Oh, absolutely. You know, it's it's a Western. So it has that throwback feel to it, but just the the turns of phrases yeah. and the little bit of uh, e- each character turns those phrases in their own way. Yes. And I, I just love it. And that's the other thing that makes the, the movie so effective is that while it has that slow build toward that extreme burst of violence, you really get characters built. You really do. And Richard Jenkins is unbelievable. Chicory. He's, oh my God, he's so great. He is he's great. so great. But as you said earlier, Matthew Fox... He's got some good lines. You he know? does. I've never seen him be no, better in any no. film than he is in this movie. No, absolutely. As Bruder. And uh, you mentioned Richard Jenkins. I guess apparently back and forth it was going that character Chicory was going to be played by Jim Broadbent at one time, and then he dropped out, and then there was there was some delays in filming, and then Richard Jenkins could come back. And Jim Broadbent is a great actor. Uh, but Richard Jenkins just really owns that role and kind of steals the film in his he own does. way. He does. He really does. And it's a to me, I mean, it's it looks amazing, right? The cast is outstanding. Yeah. It's incredibly well written, and it's an unusual film. I cannot believe a first-time filmmaker got it made. And I another, can't get over it. And there's just lots of little touches along the way that I that I think subvert expectations a little bit that I love, and, and a, a few of them have to do with the character of Mrs. O'Dwyer, yeah. played by Lily Simmons. As things heat up, well, right away, you get the feeling she's very intelligent, very level-headed. You get that that right away. But as things heat up... She's not the screaming, hysterical oh my God, no. female character that you often see. She's the one who's level-headed throughout the whole thing. She's very intelligent. So it's not entirely... She's not a doctor, per se, but she's got some sort of a medical background. Right. So I think right. that helps. To, right. you know, She's obviously... She's been to school. She's been around. She understands sort of human nature to yeah. a degree that other people don't. <laughs> and she's seen blood. 
Yeah, and one of the, she's got one of the best lines. She tells the other guy, she goes, this is what's so hard about frontier living. It's not the Indians. It's the idiots. <laughs> <laughs> when she's telling them how stupid they are. Because there, there are a few very funny lines, yeah, too, yeah, in the midst are. of all the you know, horrific events as they start, as they start uh, ramping up. And then also, once things really get, get intense, there's only, they never really exploit the, is she going to be raped angle? No. You know, which is an easy go-to in a horror movie. There's some, there's some little bit of a nod to it, maybe. That's what they're thinking. That's what you're thinking. But they never go there, and I appreciated that. You know, it's interesting, because I've said before, there are a lot of parallels between this film and Burrowers, which was our number five. And in Burrowers, the, the group of men who go to save this woman, that's clearly what's on their mind. Right. You know, but in this film... You know, they've they they've introduced the concept when they talk to the professor, the Indian who lives in town and is going nowhere near this direction, that he they're that they're cannibals. So yeah. you, so they've already sort of gotten you beyond just thinking that this is what's gonna happen. Yeah. Um one of the other things about this, I love this movie. I think it's an incredibly well made movie. But again, if you go back to Burrowers, the point in a lot of ways of Burrowers to, was to make some points about racism. And I, and it's interesting, I don't you don't see that here particularly it's a cowboys and indians yes. movie and i think that he gets away with a lot because the the indians per se are not they're not like uh, you know as the professor is is sort of the voice of reason they said no we don't accept them they're not us right. you might not know that but we know that and they're more monsters which makes it more of a monster movie but it's an interesting because it would be very hard to make a straight up no social commentary Western today. Well, they do make a couple of outright nods to, to the Bruder character and his feelings about Indians. Yes. They call him a bigot a couple of times. Yeah. But you're right. There's no really underlying layer of social commentary. It's just a Western that turns into a horrific adventure. And whew, as, as uh, somebody remarked tonight, a doozy. <laughs> it's a doozy. So uh, that's, that's really why it, it couldn't be anywhere else but number one on this list of, of our favorite horror westerns. It just really came on the scene quietly, I think. But boy, if anyone that has seen it knows you are in for a time uh, with Bone Tomahawk and, de- and definitely S. Craig Zoller with this and then the brawl in Cell Block 99. This, he's really made a statement as somebody that we want to pay attention to. Yes, no doubt. All right, so tonight's movie, Bone Tomahawk. We're getting our bone on, and we've got to get back in there and talk about it and get it going. Just a quick poll. How many of you have seen it? All right. All right. So well, the rest of you are in for a treat. Yes. Yeah, you know, it's... Yeah. <laughs> I remember when we saw it, we didn't really know... We saw it here at the Gateway when it came out. Didn't really know that much about it. It was getting a lot of buzz, like, oh, you know, uh, you got to check out Bone Tomahawk. Kurt Russell has this magnificent beard thing yeah. going on. Leftover from the Hateful Eight. He's right. got the full Hateful same, Eight Same look. Same on. look. And oh, you and you just and you just come out of there going, wow, was that an experience? Because early on, you're going to think, oh, this, this is a western, you know, is this and this, a good this, one with another good one. with a great cast: a Richard gr- Jenkins, who's probably about to get an Oscar nomination for The Shape of Water, Patrick Wilson. But it's one that, like you said, it's a good western. You're thinking, where's the horror come in? And then it comes in. Oh, it does. Woo! It sure does. <laughs> there it is. Yeah, and there it is. It's uh, by writer director. It's S. Craig Zoller. And if you haven't seen his follow-up, Brawl in Cell Block 99, get on it. Oh, man. I'll tell you what. So and they're both, great. They're both 
very similar in style because they build, they, they slow build, they simmer to just extreme violence. And yeah, you're absolutely right. If you haven't seen Brawl and Cell Block 99, it's, it's such a great experience, yeah, it is. as is this one. Right. Uh, in, in similar ways, in a different genre. So there was pretty much no hesitation about what was going to be number one. Oh, here. no, no, not even for a second. So anyway, we don't want to talk too much about it because there's some of you haven't seen it and because we are pressed for time. That's right. Uh, but we do want to let you know that our next podcast was not going to be the live event. It's going to be the recorded podcast. It's going to be with our own Brandon Thomas. It's going to co-host with us. Brandon. And we're going to talk about the best horror movie openings. Yes. And so that'll be, we'll be recording that one soon. But this one should be up on madwolf.com here in a few days. This recorded podcast after we edit out the numerous technical difficulties <laughs> and get it all into and one insanities. shiny shiny then, piece of production. We'll have that out at madwolf.com and all your favorite podcast outlets. That's right. And our next live event will be on Valentine's Day. So come out and share Valentine's Day with us. Our podcast topic is going to be sex and death. And we're going to show trouble every day, sex. which is about sex and death simultaneously. Just prepare yourself. So, Valentine's Day. That's right. Love. It's a love letter from us. All right. Uh, keep the conversation going, as always. Give feedback on any of these movies, anything that we left out. Always love to hear from you on Twitter. That's the easiest way. At Mad Wolf, M-A-D-D-W-O-L-F. On Instagram and Facebook, we're Mad Wolf Columbus. And the uh, main website is MadWolf.com. All right. So, we thank you all for coming out. We're going to get our bone on here in minutes. This one is so extreme, I promise you, Q will not fall asleep. <laughs> <laughs> Not that that's ever happened before. No. <laughs> All right, so until next time, I'm George Wolf. I'm Hope Madden. And this is the Fright Club Podcast. Yeah.